This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, are you ready for the word? Won't you stand? We're going to open in prayer. While you are doing that, let me take this opportunity to thank Apostle Thea and Dr. Bear for the privilege of being able to minister the word of God this evening. And I just honor them and thank them for this opportunity. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, as we come together this evening, we come in your wonderful son's name, Jesus. Father, remind ourselves that this is your church. Come and have your way. Lord, we know that without you, we can do nothing. And so this evening, in advance, we want to thank you for what you're about to do. I do not trust in my own ability, but totally depend upon God. Come and speak through me, Lord. Say what you want your family to hear this evening. And I promise in advance to give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. I believe that every ear is open to hear, every heart is ready to receive, and every life will change as a result of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor say, you in the right place? And then you may be seated. <clears throat> well, this evening, family, I want to encourage you really to make sure you've got a notepad, a pen, your Bible ready. Now, if for whatever reason you don't have any of those, then you can go to our CFC app. If you go to the CFC app, open it up, and you go to the bottom left-hand side, you'll see a section that says notes. If you open that up, you'll get some outlines of the message and places that you can fill in. But obviously, your Bible's best, your notepad and pen's better. So I would encourage you always to bring that. Are you ready? ready? Praise the Lord. Well, as I said this morning, if for whatever reason you weren't here, we are going on a journey, and we've been doing this journey in Sunday evenings now for the last few weeks, and it's a series which is titled, You Asked For It. In other words, it's a, 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 a poll was sent out to about 40,000 Christians, and they came back and said, these are the subjects we'd love to hear in church, and so we've been going on that journey covering those subjects, and so tonight I'm going to continue with one of them that was chosen by the believers, and that is the subtitle of the message called Understanding Spiritual Warfare. We need to understand it. We need to know that there is a war going on, and many believers don't think so, and that's possibly why they're getting tossed to and fro a little bit. So family, the Bible tells us very clearly that there is a battle that is going on between the children of God and the devil and his kingdom. That is happening. It's a fact that's happening, 100%. The Bible also tells us that there are three heavens, not one. So if you're a, a student of the word uh, and you want to dig deeper, I would recommend get on Bible school, find out more about the word of God, and you will dig deeper. But the Bible says, first of all, that the first heaven is where we have the moon, the stars, and the sun. The second heaven is where there is this demonic activity that's going on, and there is a fight there for the lives of people, and spiritual battles take place in that second heaven. And then the third heaven is where God is, and that's where we're going to spend eternity. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. And that's the third heaven. But family, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about that second heaven where those battles are taking place. And to give us an outline of this battle, this evening we're going to look at a portion of scripture that explains a little bit about spiritual warfare, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. So go to your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start reading from there. Now, many times we read over this very quickly, but in this letter, as Paul is writing, he's giving us some very strong, important information and clues to help us 
so we can be victorious, amen? And we're gonna read from verse 10, and the word of God says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. First clue right there, you can't do it without God. There's your first clue. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. If you're gonna try and do this on your own, it's not gonna happen. So he starts off right up front telling us that our ability to have victory is all in the hands of God and what he has given us. Then verse 11 says this, put on. Have you noticed it doesn't say, if you would like to, I would suggest. He says, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Family, listen to me. If you're not putting on the armor of God, you're not going to be able to stand against the devil's schemes. He didn't give you an option yet. He didn't say, well, it would be nice if you'd like to do this. He says, if you want to, take a stand against the devil's schemes. You need to put on the full armor of God. Why is that so? Well, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look at your neighbor. So I haven't got a problem with you. So family, the fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the government. It's not against your brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles, your boss, your boss. <laughs> it's not against those. It's not against any of those things. He says it's not against flesh and blood. But now listen to these terms. These are all different levels of authority of demonic forces against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's second heaven. That's what we are battling against. That's what we're battling against. Therefore, in other words, because of this, because of what you've just read, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, day of evil's coming. You're looking at me and say, can't you be a little bit more positive, Pastor Greg? I'm positive, a day of evil's coming. <laughs> okay, but we don't have to be concerned about that because he's giving us tools, right? He's telling us what to do. So therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now, the next couple of verses, <clears throat> I'm gonna read through them. I'm not gonna teach on what the armor of God is. I'm not gonna teach on what it is, okay? We have done teachings on this. I've even taught on the armor of God about two years, 18 months, two years ago. And for time's sake, I can't go through that now. But there's a teaching to explain to you about the armor of God and what it is. This is not armor that you're physically putting on. And just so in case you were unsure if we are in the army of God, civilians don't put on armor. Soldiers put on armor. And so, yeah, Paul is telling us, you're in the army. You're in the army of God, whether you like it or not, so you might as well prepare yourself so that you can win. Amen? And we have one because Jesus has paid the price. So yeah, he goes, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Listen to me. The devil is constantly shooting arrows at you of doubt, unbelief. You're not gonna make it. You're not good enough. You're not able. You shouldn't be doing this. All those, he's gonna continue to. You need the shield of faith to quench those lies of the enemy. Verse 17, 
take the helmet of salvation. Now, everything up to that point are all defensive pieces of your armor. They're all defenses. The next one is your only offensive one, and that is, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Remember that, because we're going to come back to that later. But the sword of the Spirit is the only thing you've got that is your offensive weapon. The rest are all to block, protect, and shield you, okay? And so it's important that you remember that. We're going to come back to that later. Now we're going to take a look at another portion of Scripture that just ramps this up a little bit and introduces another term that Paul calls strongholds. He calls strongholds, but it's all about spiritual warfare. Same subject. He's just introducing a different word here called strongholds. And this explains it a bit more that this war is not natural. The war that we're in is not natural. Now, family, I'm sure that you would agree with me that the culture that we are all living in is not natural. It's not natural. The things that are happening around us are deeper than just natural science. Would you agree with me? I mean, think about the world, the things people are saying, the way they are behaving, the, the, the challenges on, in areas that should not have challenges, the way people are standing up for certain rights which they really shouldn't have. It's, it's weird. It's not natural. So I'm sure you would agree with me. We can see that these are things that are not normal that are taking place. So family, we are in a war. You might be saying, well, I don't believe that, Pastor Greg. Well, that doesn't make it go away. Even if you don't believe it, it doesn't make it go away. It's there. It's happening. So here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 3. And this is what Paul writes, and he says, For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, we are not fighting with guns and bombs and tanks and fighter jets. That's not what we're using. He's telling us here, that's not what we did. We don't do it the way the world does. And then verse 4, he says, the weapons we fight with, Paul is assuming you are using them. And I'm saying, well, are we? He's saying, well, the weapons you fight with, assuming that you are using them, but we know that many believers aren't family. That's the challenge. Many believers aren't. But he's assuming that, well, of course, you're going to use these weapons. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the weapons God has given us has the ability to demolish those strongholds. So yeah, we're going to just spend a little bit of time on that word strongholds. This was this wonderful revelation I received in studying and preparing for this message. And I didn't know it was there. Maybe it was only me, Pastor Simon, because all you clever guys at the Bible school know this. But, um, but that word there, strongholds, that word strongholds is the Greek word okurama, okurama. It's spelled O-C-H-U-R-O-M-A, pronounced okurama. That's the Greek word. And this is what it means. If you look it up in the original writing, this is what it means. It literally describes someone who is chained, and the chains that they are chained with aren't strong enough to hold them down, but they think they are. The chains that are chaining them down are not strong enough to hold them, but the person chained believes that they are. I'll give an example, okay? Have you ever been to the circus? Have you ever watched the circus? Have you ever seen those big elephants? Okay, we all know what big elephants. Have you noticed those big, massive elephants are just tied up with a little flimsy rope? Have you noticed that? Not this big chain. Well, why is it 
that that elephant is just not snapping that thing and walking away. This is what happens. When the elephant is small, and it's a small elephant, they tie it up with a little rope that the elephant can't break. It's too strong for the little elephant. So he tries, but he can't break it. And he tries, and he can't break it. And he tries, and he, and he gets conditioned to say, you can't get loose, just stop trying. And as he grows, he believes that even though he is strong enough to break it, but he believes it's strong, so he doesn't try anymore, and he remains bound by something he can be freed from. That's that word there. That's the word right there. That's the area of people's lives that doesn't have as much power as they think it does, but they are convinced that it does. It's an area in your life that, that you may think, gee, I've got this addiction. I've got this habit, this wound, or something from a generation that has come from my grandfather, my father. You see it all the way through, and Paul is talking to you about that. People are bound by those things, but it actually doesn't have the ability to actually bind you, but you believe it does, so you just give up. The next part of this verse talks about what to do. We continue now, right, in verse five. If you have that, listen to these words. Remember what I've just read to you? He said, yeah, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Look at the next verse. We demolish arguments. Those strongholds is just an argument. It's a lie. It's not even the truth. It's just an argument. And every pretension, you know what a pretension is? It's a pretend. The devil's just pretending. You're stuck in something that's not even real. That's what he's saying. They're just arguments and pretensions. This is what they do. They set themselves up. It sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The devil is saying to you that what you believe is you're stuck in, God can't help you with. It's an argument and a pretension against what God says about you or what God says you are and, what God, and what God, how God sees you. And I want to say to you, church, everything we try and do here at Christian Family Church is for you to see yourself the way God sees you for you to know who you are in Christ so that you can walk in victory and not be stuck by these lies and arguments and pretensions. It says here that it, it, it sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every, a captive every thought. We break those lies and make it obedient to Christ and make it obedient to what God says about you. So I want to give you two definitions. He has two definitions of a stronghold keeping in line with this passage you've just read. The first one that I want to give you this evening is this. A prisoner locked by deception, living life by something that's not true. A prisoner locked by a deception, living life by something that's not true. The second definition I want to give you in line with that verse is this one. Anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. That's what that is. That's what that stronghold is. You're convinced that this thing is bigger than what God can do for you. You're convinced you can never get out of it. It's a lie. It's a pretend. It's not real. You see, church, the fundamentals of spiritual warfare are knowing who you are in Christ believing the word of God, the scriptures, and speaking them out. That's just the fundamentals of it. Declaring the word of God, believing what God says. I like to watch documentaries. My wife and I every now and then put on a documentary, and some of them are amazing, some of them are a bit heart-wrenching to watch. But there's some powerful documentaries out there. 
And there was this documentary <clears throat> about a young girl called Elizabeth Smart. And her story is this, this is what happened. Elizabeth Smart, at the age of 14 in 2002, some of you weren't even born then, so you might not know about the story. But in 2002, this 14-year-old girl was kidnapped out of her home. A man broke through the window, climbed into her room with a knife, and he kidnapped her. And her younger sister saw all of this happening, but in fear of the fact that she thought this man might kill her, she just pretended to be asleep. And this man took her, her sister, 14 years old, and he took her to the outskirts of Utah in the forests out there, and he kept her captive there for nine months, where he repeatedly raped her, abused her over this nine-month period. And when this girl was, was kidnapped, her, new, her face, her story was all over the news, on the news channels, on the radio, pictures of her. Everybody knew about it. They knew about Elizabeth Smart. Everybody, the police people knew about it. But over this time, this, this kidnapper got a little bit brazen. And what he would do is he would start to take her out in public because he believed that, well, it's been almost nine months. No one's going to catch me, and I'm just going to carry on like this. And he dressed her up from the top of her head right down to her feet in like a jumpsuit where only her eyes would stick out. And he would take her out into public, and he would threaten her. You say anything, I'll kill you. And of fear of that, she would just follow him along. And the story that she tells is that at one stage, she was just five feet away from a police officer. Five feet. That's like two steps. All she had to say, I'm Elizabeth Smart, and she would have been free. Just like that. That's all she had to say. Those words, I'm Elizabeth Smart, because everybody knew. The policeman knew. Everybody knew. But because of the fear of the lie, she said nothing. Anyway, eventually, a police officer started to suspect that might be the young girl. And anyway, long story short, he then set her free, they caught the man, and he's in life imprisonment now where he should be. And, uh, and she's, she's grown now, she's got a family, she's married, and she now stands up and she fights for people that have been in that situation, so she's doing a great job. But this is the thing, family, what a picture of people who are just a step away from freedom. But you have bought into the lie that your addiction, your habit, your pain is who you are. You've bought into that lie, and that's just not the truth. That's a lie. The devil has just lied to you. You see, Jesus said that he, all he is is a liar. And in John, 4, 40, of John 8, 44, it says this. Jesus said, and when he, that's the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what he is. So if he's telling you you're stuck in an addiction, you'll never get out, he's a liar. It's not true. If he says you'll never make it, you're not good enough, he's a liar. It's not true, amen? And listen to this. When we believe a lie, we empower the liar. When you believe it, you give it power. And that's a sad place to be. And once again, spiritual warfare is exposing the lie and replacing it with the truth. That's what it is. You've got to expose what the lie is and replace it with the truth. And this is the truth. This is the truth. The word of God is the truth, family. And I believe that this is one of the jobs of the local church, is to help people to walk in victory. And if people are not connected in their local church, and especially, let me be proud to say, Christian Family Church is a church that teaches you the truth. And if we're not connected, if we're not in church, we end up staying bound by the lie. 
That's why many people are stuck because they go to churches that just preach feel-good messages and they don't tell them the truth and they remain bound forever. We cannot miss the church because this is where God wants to set you free. So how do you know if you are in a stronghold? How do you know? Well, let me just give you some pointers. If you're in a stronghold, number one, it steals your focus. It steals your focus. A stronghold steals your focus. It controls you mentally by the thing you believe has you captive. That's what it does. You're thinking on it all the time. I'm stuck in this. I'm no good. Whatever the case is, it steals your focus. The second thing, if you want to identify, is it causes you to feel controlled. It causes you to feel controlled. You say things like, I can never, I will never. You even take it on as your identity. You say, I am a, and you call yourself what that is. Now listen to me, church. That's not who you are. That may be what you've done, but that's not who you are. You may have done those things. You may even be, feel that you're trapped by those things, but that's not who you are. That's just the things that you've done. So don't be, uh, uh, fall into the lie of the enemy for that. It consumes our emotional energy. People feel increasingly hopeless. You feel that there's no way out. I, I, I found out about a year ago or so a young girl who's obviously full on social media. Because of the, the attacks of social media, social media, not even people in her presence caused her to commit a suicide. Should not be. Because of that, you consume by your mo- consumes your emotional energy. It distracts us from our purpose. One of the other things is it distracts you from a purpose. One of the people I like to subscribe to says this, when you do not fulfill your purpose, you rob the world of what it could be. When you do not fulfill your purpose, you rob the world of what it could be. Your purpose is for others. Just think if Apostle Theo never fulfilled his purpose. Just think if he was still trying to surf. We wouldn't be here. Christian Family Church wouldn't exist. The millions that have come to Jesus would not have come to Jesus if he was distracted to not fulfill his purpose. And the same with you. You've got a purpose. And then finally, one of the things that you can look at to see if, you're, if a stronghold's a challenge for you, it robs us of the life God has intended for us. It robs us of that life that God has intended for us. So what do we do? So what is it? What do we do about it? Well, tonight, I want to give you three lists. Three lists of three, very nice and easy for you to remember. Three lists of three. three. We're going to look at three realities you need to believe if you are going to be successful in spiritual warfare. I'm going to give you three weapons that are at your disposal or at our disposal as believers, and I'm going to give you three things you must do every day. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Three realities you need to believe. You need to believe, number one, you need to believe that the devil is real. You need to believe he's real. He's not this little story that gets told. He's not a guy in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork. That's not who he is, okay? He wants you to believe that because if you can believe that, he can trap you. And you think it's just all just fun. You know that they surveyed a number of people asking him that question if they believe the devil's real. And out of the group that they surveyed, 60% said they don't believe the devil's real. If you don't believe something's real, it'll trap you. Because you'll just walk into it blindly. You think, well, it's not real. And it'll trap you. You see, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 says this. For Satan himself 
masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades. That word masquerade, if you look up at the definition in the dictionary, pretend to be someone one is not. The word masquerade in the dictionary says, pretend to be someone one is not. He is pretending to be a good guy. He's pretending to be an angel of light. He's pretending that everything's good. Follow me. I'll look after you. That's what he's pretending. You see, there was a time when Satan, Lucifer, was one of the three main angels in heaven. That's what he was. There was a time. And he was responsible for all the worship in heaven. And then he thought, I would like that. I want them to worship me. I want to sit on the throne of God. That's what he wanted. And so we see there's, there's several places in the, in the Bible you can read about this, but I want to read it to you out of Revelations 12 from verse 7. I love it in this portion of Scripture where it explains this. It says, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, that's Satan or Lucifer, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Look at verse 8. I love verse 8. We can just camp there the whole night. But he was not strong enough. <laughs> Amen. But he was not strong enough. And he still is not strong enough. The devil has power, but we decide if we give him authority. So he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. If he lost his place in heaven, and you are ultimately just an alien passing through, heaven's your home, then he's lost his place with you too, family. He's lost his place with you too. Verse 9 says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And Apostle Theos taught on this recently about the fact that Satan is the God of this world. We understand that if you've been in the church long enough, you'll know that. But that doesn't mean he has power over your life. Amen. We don't give him authority. He has no power over life. So the first thing is you must believe that the devil is real. The second thing you must believe if you want to have victory in spiritual warfare is you must believe the devil's goal is to destroy us. That's what his goal is. That's what he wants to do. He's not yet to be your friend. You see, John 10, 10, Jesus speaking says, the thief comes only, only, only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. If you're employing him, that would be on his CV. I'm come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his job. You've got to believe that. You've got to understand that. Because if you don't, you falsely walk into a place, you have a false sense of security, and he traps you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So you must believe that. And the third thing you need to believe and know. So now my notes just all ran away from me. One second. I'm giving you time to write down those points. How nice of me. <laughs> Almost there. The third thing is this. We need to believe, you need to know this and you need to believe it, is the devil responds to a higher authority. There is a higher authority and he listens to that authority, okay? He responds to a higher authority. 1 John 4, 4 says this, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Isn't that awesome? There's one in you that's greater than the devil. He is greater than than the devil, and he is in you. If you've said yes to Jesus, he's in you. Nothing to fear, family, he's in you. So then how do you get on the side of the greater one? How do you get on the side of the greater one? Well, we have three weapons at our disposal. So let's have a look at those. Three weapons that we can use. 
The first one is this, the name of Jesus, the greater one that's in you, the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 17 says, the 72, Jesus sent them out. He sent out the disciples, sent out the 72, said, go out, do this, do that, then come back to me, give me a report. He said, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Isn't that awesome? They submitted to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I love verse 19. Jesus saying, I have given you authority to trample on. Now, these are just different demonic, demon forces, snakes and scorpions. That's not for the outdoor guys to think you can walk out in the bush now and just trample on snakes and scorpions. Doesn't mean that, okay? But it's referring to demonic uh, forces. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome, listen to this, all the power of the enemy. Say with me, I have power over all the enemy can do. Amen. He says, I have given you this. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you if you believe what Jesus said, nothing will harm you. And then I love Philippians 2.10, you gotta love this. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee will bow, Satan included will bow at the name of Jesus, family. So you have number one, the number one first weapon at your disposal is the name of Jesus. The second weapon you have as a believer is the blood of Jesus. Family, he went to the cross. He poured out his blood so we could be in right standing with God. Right standing. He took care of that, that we can stand as children of God, not even to be concerned that our sins are holding us back. You are set free. You're in right standing with the Father because of the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, 11 says, they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. You have that weapon. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against the devil. Amen? So you can stand firm saying, I'm redeemed by the blood. You're not coming near me or my family. Amen? And then the third weapon we have is the one I spoke to you about in the beginning, and that's the Word of God. The Word of God. You know, there's something that we must learn from when Jesus had his account with the devil. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil came to tempt him. And so you'll know in, in that account, the devil, Jesus didn't take the devil and just give him a slap and call a few guys with some sticks and try to beat him up. He didn't do anything like that, right? But Jesus defeated the devil by quoting scripture, by quoting the word of God. We should learn from this family. That's why we need to read the word every day, every day, not casually. This is not another end of your book stand. <laughs> Amen? We need to read it every day. John 8.31 says this, from, from verse 31, it says, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, to my word, you are really my disciples. Listen to verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth of God's word sets you free from the works of the enemy, from the lie of the devil. That's what it does. You see, church, don't just read your Bible because it's the right thing to do and I must do it in my quiet time because they said so. Meditate on it. 
read it, memorize scripture. This Bible family is a weapon in your hands. It's a weapon in your hands. The word of God will not return void. But you've got to be speaking it. You've got to be declaring it. You've got to be believing it. Because you can say it and not believe it, and it still won't work for you. You've got to believe it. Amen? So every day, meditate on scriptures. Have them in your heart. Declare them. They, they are life-giving, family. John, in John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctified, you are set apart because of what the, the word of God says about you. Amen? So we've looked at three things we need to believe, three weapons at our disposal. Let's look at three things you need to do every day. Three things you must do every day. Number one, commit yourself to God. Commit yourself to God. Don't be like Frank Sinatra and say, I did it my way. We're doing it his way. Commit yourself to God. Stay committed to doing things God's way, family. If you can imagine God as a father protecting his family in their home, as long as they're under that covering, as long as they're under the covering of God, they're fine. But if a child decides, you know what, I'm just going to step out from under this covering, I'm going to try it my way a little bit, and then you wonder, gee, why are things going wrong? Why are things not working out? It's because you stepped out from under that cover. Come back. Just step back under. Do it God's way. Don't try and do it your way. Listen to this. Your authority with the devil is only as strong as your relationship with God. Let me read that to you again. Your authority with the devil is only as strong as your relationship with God. You see, James 4, verse 7, you know it well, you probably quoted in your sleep, but let's just take a bit of time here this evening with this. James 4, verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Family, listen to me. You can't have the second half without the first. It's not a two separate stories. It's one. If you want to resist the devil, you must submit to God. Now that word submit in the original Greek, is the Greek word hupotasso, H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O, hupotasso. It means to obey, be under obedience. I must obey, I must be obedient to God and His way of doing things. Then I can resist the devil and he'll flee. But if I'm not, there's a problem. You know, a Christian family church, you hear it from us all the time. We urge you, take deeper steps in your relationship with God. Take deeper steps. Let's not play games. Let's take deeper steps to the thing of God. Get under that umbrella of God. Choose to do it. You know, God uses the local church for that, to be submitted to the local church. It's not His only place, but it's, it's His primary place. It's to stay under that umbrella. Submit to the local church. Be part of the local church. Family, church is God's idea, not man's idea. We didn't come up with one day and say, oh, it'd be nice to have church. It's God's idea. It's His idea. Take steps to get under that umbrella. Get baptized if you've never been baptized. You need to do it. Do growth track if you haven't done growth track. Join a group if you're not part of a group. Decide, I want to make a difference here at the church and be part of the dream team. Take deeper steps. Things like baptism is not man's idea. Jesus said you must be baptized. He said it. So if you haven't been, do it. If you want to easily just resist the devil, do it God's way. Do it His way, family. 
get under that covering of your local church. And then when you do those things, it's easy to resist the devil and he'll go. But when you're on your own, trying to do it your way, it's not gonna help. And then the second thing you need to do on a daily basis, very, very important, is close any open doors. Close any open doors. You need to do this daily. If we don't, family, we leave a crack open in the door for the devil to come in. Now let me make this statement. Not every attack in your life is because you have an open door. The devil doesn't like you and he just wants to give you a hard time. Just accept that, okay? So not every attack is because you have an open door. But there are certain things that you are allowing in your life because of an open door. It's important that you understand that. There's an account that Paul wrote. He wrote a letter in 1 Corinthians to the church. There was a brother there who uh, was immoral. He was misbehaving in the church and they had to discipline him and kick him out of the church a bit. And then he repented. But the church was not welcoming him back so easy. They didn't want to bring him back into the church. And so Paul writes to them again and basically says, come on guys, you've got to get over this now. And he writes this in 2 Corinthians 2 from verse 10 and he says this. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sakes. So he says, I've forgiven them. If you forgive them, I forgive him. Just let them go. Look at the next verse. He says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul is saying, when you hold something against somebody, you open the door. The guy's repented. He said, sorry, there's fruits of life change. Just welcome him back. Family, we can't go around having unforgiveness. I don't like you. I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. You can't do that. You can't do that. Even if they don't treat you good, just forgive them. You don't want to walk around. The devil's a legalist. He just looks for the opportunity. If you give him one, he doesn't need a second invitation. He's coming knocking on the door. So family, Ephesians 4.26 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't do that. Don't be angry with people. Some people are just so angry over the silliest things. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. We can't walk around with unforgiveness and anger. We can't walk around just allowing casually these things into our life that shouldn't be there. Every night when you go to bed, before you put your head on your pillow, take some time and just ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me. If there's anything I've done today, anything I've said I should not, please forgive me. If he highlights to you somebody, make right with that person. But don't just say, oh, well, you know, that guy's a muhi, he deserves it. And can't do that. We're not playing games here. While you're sleeping, the devil's working. Go a nice wide open door. Now, I've really debated whether I should say this next thing or not. I, I don't know if I should say it. What do you think? Are you sure? Okay, you said so. Christians, Halloween, should not partake, guys. Should not partake. Christians watching horror movies. Oh, but pastor, it's just entertainment, man. It's just, ah, oh, chopping off heads. and It's just entertainment. Oh, it's just entertainment. Can't do you any harm. Halloween, it's nice. Sweeties for the kids. They treat, oh, look how cute. He looks like a little devil. Oh, he's so cute. You see, the devil wants you to think it's just for fun. He wants you to think it's just entertainment. That's what he wants you to think. 
But the truth is, it's not. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's what I'm trying to do tonight, family, is to expose these fruitless deeds of darkness. Listen to me, family. There's more to it than you give credit. There's more to it than you give credit. The devil loves it when people think, ah, oh, it's just fun, it's just pretend. Because it looks like pretend, but actually it's real. And we groom our children as they're growing up to partake in these things. And we wonder when they're 15, 16, 17, 18, why are they just battling in life? I mean, have you ever thought of that word, trick or treat? Trick or treat. Have you ever thought about that? Come on. We love you. We don't want you to get bound in things that hold you back and you're just wondering why. We've got to make sure we're closing the door on all these little things. God has never turned his back on you. He's not about to now. We can walk in victory, amen. And the last thing we need to do every day is confront the enemy in prayer. Confront him daily in prayer. You have the victory. Apostle Theo has taught the most powerful series on prayer. In fact, he's been teaching us since last year on prayer. And he's taught us how to stand in prayer. We need to pray. We need to be alert. We need to watch. We need to know what's happening. We need to be people who pray. 1 Peter 5 says this. It says in verse 8, it says, be self-controlled and alert. Be alert, family. Know what's happening around. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's what he's trying to do. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. We do that through a life of prayer. We do that by every day making sure we're closing open doors. We do that every day by making sure that we are right with God. We come back under our authority and submit ourselves to God. You see, family, we have power in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and through the word of God. And you will have victory when the devil tries to lie to you about that stronghold that's not even real. It doesn't have the ability to hold you down. Believe that and know that God has set you free and you can stand on the promises of God's word. Amen. And so tonight we want to invite, first of all, all the pastors and leaders, I want you to come up. We want to pray for people this evening. So if you're a leader in this church, you're a pastor in this church, please come forward and stand here. Listen carefully to me, family. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I've just given you three lists of three of what to do. So you have the tools. So tonight, I'm inviting anybody who needs agreement in prayer, just agreement. So this is what I'm inviting you to do. Listen, if you're saying, I'm struggling in an area, but I've heard what you said here tonight, Pastor, but I'm struggling in that area, all I want you to do is come forward to one of the pastors in a moment, or one of the leaders, and you're just gonna say, I want you to stand in agreement with me that I'm free from, and you mention what it is. Free from. There's an amazing presence of God. Yeah, I just love the worship. I just, Pastor Johnny, we should have just done that the whole night, I suppose. But that was just amazing. There is an anointing here. And all I want you to do is come forward and you're just going to say to the pastor or the leader, please agree with me, I'm free from. And they're going to pray with you in agreement and you go back to your seats. I don't want you to tell them, well, I was born 75 years ago and this is what happened and here I am today. No, just, we're going to agree with you. You've got the tools. The presence of God is going to set you free and help you. And then you're going to go home and apply what you've learned this evening. Amen. Is that good? I'm inviting the worship team. You can come up. And while you're doing that, you can come forward now for prayer. But for the rest of you, let's worship together. I'm going to come back. We're not done yet. And then in a little while, we'll conclude the service. Please come forward for prayer. Thank you, worship team. Amen.
Jesus. We worship you. We thank you, Lord God. This is how we fight our battles. We have the victory. You are our Lord, our God. You have made the way. We rest in you. We believe in you. We stand upon your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You may take your seats, family. Thank you. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes at this time. Perhaps you are sitting here this evening or you're online or in one of the other venues. Listen to this message. And you're saying to yourself, you know, Pastor, I've never made my life right with God. I've never asked Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. Well, friend, I have good news for you tonight. And tonight I want to pray a prayer with you that you can know for sure that you are in right standing with God, that you can have victory as a child of God. You see, the Word of God says in Romans that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In other words, you'll be in right standing with God. And I wanna pray that prayer with you. If you've never prayed that prayer, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm gonna ask you in a moment, while no one's looking around, I'm gonna count to three, and all I want you to do is raise your hand in a moment, saying, I wanna make right with God. I wanna make sure that I'm in right standing with God. It's simple, family. It's a prayer way. My second invitation is to anybody that's here or online, and you once served Jesus, but you know that your relationship with Him has grown cold. You've drifted away. You're not doing the things you used to do with the Lord. Well, friend, come back tonight. Please let me include you in that prayer. When I count to three, you can also raise your hand, and I'll pray with you. And my third and final invitation is to anybody who says, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I breathe my last. Will I go to heaven, or will I drop into the flames of hell? I don't know. Well, friend, please don't leave here. Well, that question unanswered. If you would also raise your hand in a moment, say, I want to know for sure heaven is my home, then I'll pray with you. Now, I'm not asking you to come to me. I'm not going down to you. You stay in your chairs. When I count to three, just raise your hand and I'll pray a prayer with you this evening. And you can know for sure I'm right with God. I've come back to Him. Heaven is my home. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand above your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you at the back. This year. well done. Good decisions. Keep your hand up. God bless you. Good decision. Well done. Well done. So proud of you. If you raise your hand, I can't see at the back. There's some more hands over there. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Great decision. Great decision. Many hands going up. God bless you at the back there. Well done. Great, great decision. If you're in another venue, you can do the same. If you're online, you can just raise your hand as a sign to say, I want to be included in the prayer. Now, friend, I want to pray with you. But I'm going to ask everybody here tonight, all of us, let's pray this prayer together, but especially those that have raised their hand. Let's say this together tonight. Say this with me. Dear Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. Please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and He was raised from the dead. Tonight, I choose to forgive Every person who has hurt me or offended me, I let it go. I thank you tonight that I am now part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We are so proud of you, the decision that you've made. Heaven's rejoicing. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. 
If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 